Uh, do you notice things? Do you notice a piece of paper on the ground as you walk by that needs to be picked up? Do you notice a portrait on the wall that's crooked? Does it just bug me or does it bug you? And so there, there are things that we observe. And, and when we talk about saintly observation, obviously we're bringing it into the spiritual realm. We're talking about being observant when God is speaking. Hearing what God is speaking to us about. What God is talking to us about. What God wants for us to do. That's what I'm talking about. Saintly observation. What God wants to fix in our lives. Are we listening? Are we heedful? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles and turn back to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel and the third chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I guess uh, in the years I've been saved, I've tried to study the Christian life. I think that's something we should do, make a science of it. You know what I mean? Uh, an art of studying the Christian life. I think as we do, uh, one of the things that uh, really we'll find is, is the importance of us hearing when God speaks, of, of learning to listen when God speaks. I'm not talking about speaking audibly. We don't believe in that. The Bible doesn't teach that. The days of God speaking from the clouds have passed. The Bible says the just shall live by what? Faith. And what serves not of faith is what? Sin. And so we live by faith. Well, how do we get faith? Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we go back to the Word of God. We live by the Word of God. God has chosen at this time in history to be silent and to drive us to the book to get His mind And so we ought to search the book to find out the mind of of God. Like I said earlier today, to know Him, as Paul called it, and make a science of, of studying how God works and how God speaks. And in the process, we learn to listen to God. It is so important that we learn to listen to God and see how He works and see how He operates. We're going to study it a little bit today as we study 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 8 and read down to verse 18. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down. And it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord. For thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin... I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, 
And he answered, Here I am, or here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee. And more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he has said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. We're going to study this passage, and as we do, we're going to talk about learning to listen, learning to hear God. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we ask you, Lord, to help us to make a study of how you work, how you operate. Father, an art of the the Christian life, if you will, a science of it. Father, how I'm just praying that as a result, we would understand your workings, and we would respond in a manner that would please thee. Help us now to learn at this time. Help us now to grow. And we'll thank you for it. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This past, I guess, December, um, it, was, it was very cold out. I just remember that. I was going through the uh, things that we offer at Masters Baptist College and noticing that uh, we tout, you know, activities, obviously snowmobiling in the winter and ice skating and bowling and things like that. Well, we mentioned skiing in there. And I thought, you know, this, the school is growing. And uh, we have one boat that I know of right now in the church that we could use. That wouldn't do a bunch of kids one day. And, and so I looked on Craigslist. I thought, this is the time of the year. If you're going to get a boat, you know, get one. And I found one there, and it was, it was $1,200, and you would only find it at that time of the year. So I looked up the owners, went and looked at it. Of course, you can't turn it on in December, so you take their word for it. And, and they said, everything's fine, everything works on it. And, and so off them the 1200 brought the boat home, went to painstaking lengths to, to cover it and, and house it. And every so often over the winter, I just look out there going, ah, ooh, a boat, yeah, wow. And anyway, spring comes, um, went to uh, start it, bought a battery for it, put it in, found out the third cylinder on it is shot. And uh, if you know anything about boats, you know the boat is shot. If the motor's shot, it's worth more than the boat. And so anyway, contacted people that I'd bought it from, and they compensated some. And, and I, I considered my options. Can, can we overhaul the boat? There was a certain price on the motor to do that. Uh, I put it on Craigslist again. I just thought, I'll test the waters. Had somebody offer me an elliptical to trade on it, you know, an exercise machine that was worth twice what the boat is. I thought, well, that's one option. The other is I know how much it costs to overhaul. And uh, and, and then the, the third one is selling it and, and washing out of it. Well, I was going, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. Obviously, I, I have my preference, but, but Lord, what do you want? And anyway, this last week, the, the, I'll just put it this way. The Lord made that decision for me. It wasn't my preference, I'll just put it that way. But I'm okay with that. Uh, I have learned, I think, over the years to stay neutral in these things. It's, it's so easy to have our druthers, isn't it? And, and yet, if we're going to find the will of God, we're going to have to be open. We're going to have to let make God make the decision. And I had my idea of how it ought to end, but God had a different idea. Am I okay with that? Sure, I'm, I'm okay with that. That is the thought of the passage before us here. We find that God speaks, somebody listens, God makes a determination, and the person upon whom the determination is made says, it is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is fit. As we look at this passage, and it's a glorious passage, I see three things in it. I think they would help us if if we bring it up to the 21st century. The first thing I see is what I call a saintly observation. 
a saintly observation. By that I mean saints who are observant. Are we observant? When we were kids, we used to goof around and and make an observation, and one of our siblings would say, you're very observatory. You know, we'd make up a word, you're very observatory. Are you very observatory? (laughs) Uh, Do you notice things? Do you notice a piece of paper on the ground as you walk by that needs to be picked up? Do you notice a portrait on the wall that's crooked? Does it just bug me or does it bug you? How about outlet covers, you know, on plug-ins? Now, is that just an electrician thing or am I the only one that goes around, you know, and and don't invite me to your home because I'll go around, straighten all your electrical covers. But but are we observant? And honestly, if I stopped to fix everything that bugs me, I wouldn't get anything done. (laughs) And so there are things that we observe and And when we talk about saintly observation, obviously we're bringing it into the spiritual realm. We're talking about being observant when God is speaking. Are we listening? Are we learning to listen? Are we keen? Are we perceptive? Are we going through life awake? And I'm not talking about picking out flaws in other people. It's easy for us to be on top of that. Oh, you know, he's blowing it here, or he's making a mistake there. And, 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 and we go around, and, and especially if we're heavy in the justice department, we all have our own little pet peeves. We all have these things that are on our radar, and we catch them, and maybe others don't, but we catch them, and we say, that needs fixing. And so we go all out trying to fix other people, and we miss fixing ourselves. Hearing what God is speaking to us about, what God is talking to us about, what God wants for us to do. That's what I'm talking about. Saintly observation, what God wants to fix in our lives. Are we listening? Are we heedful? When we were growing up, we had uh, snowmobiles. And uh, with six boys in our family, there were six snowmobiles in our yard. <laughs> and, and we went with Articat. So everything in the yard was black. And, and, and back in those days, they had uh, Articat Pumas and they had uh, Cheetahs and, and, and they had Lynxes. We never owned one. But there is an expression, if, if somebody says he is Lynx-eyed, what's that mean? Somebody who is Lynx-eyed is somebody who has a keen vision, somebody who has cat-like senses, somebody who is, is always sharp in discernment and, and aware of their discern, or discerning of their surroundings. Well, here's Samuel. He's just a little guy. He's just learning. It's, he's kind of like a baby eaglet who's just figuring out what his, his wings are for. And the verses prior to this tell us he's the temple boy. We don't know exactly how old he is. We do have a hint he's not saved yet because it says Samuel knew not yet the Lord. And he had been promised to uh, the temple by his mother Hannah if she received a son. And so she's kept her promise and, and Samuel's living at the temple. And things are not good in, in the household of Eli, the high priest. He has two boys. They're being immoral with the women who come to the temple. They are being corrupt in taking the sacrifices and consuming them upon their own lust. And so things are not good. And we pick it up in verse number 8. Samuel's sleeping. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Now notice this. Then Samuel answered, Speak. For thy servant heareth. In other words, oh, I get it. I get it. We find here some saintly observation. It's a picture of us hearing God at the first saying, whatever your name might be, as he calls out to us. 
This had happened three times, and Samuel really didn't know what was going on. And Eli finally figured it out. It took him long enough. And he says, if this happens, this is what you say. Well, this happened, and this is what he said. Samuel doesn't really know what's going on at this point, but something's going on. Have you ever known that something is going on, but you're not quite sure what it is? You know God is is moving in, in your heart. You're musing on some feelings and some thoughts that you might have, but you're just not sure what it is. In the Christian life, you're going to observe times like this. Times when you're just sure that God is dealing with you about something, but but you don't know what it is. And if you're like me, you analyze. You think about it. You go, "Uh uh-huh, what's going on here? There's something going on. There's something not right here. It's funny, we were fishing up in Canada about a week ago, and I saw Chad someplace. There he is back there. And and, uh, anyway, the very first day we were out there, Everybody was catching fish but me. Do you remember that? And uh, you begin to think, what's the deal, you know? There's, there's, there's sin in the boat, kind of like Jonah, you know, except it, it's me. It can't be that. I've got to just scratch that. It's got to be something else here. And, of course, Chad and the guys start ribbing me and giving me a hard time, stuff like that. I might add the next day he struck out while the rest of us were catching fish. But, but sometimes things just happen. And, and you're not quite sure, you, you, you don't want to overly analyze, but you should stop and reflect and say, Lord, is there something going on here? Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, let a man examine himself. And if we're learning to listen, we should be learning to be sensitive. We should want to have God speak, uh, speak to us. We should be listening closely. I, I think there's not a, a lot of Christians who listen real closely to God. In fact, I, I, I look back, it's always been that way. I think of the days of Nehemiah when the city had been destroyed, of the city of Jerusalem. It had, it had lined like that for, for decades. Nobody was doing anything about it except Nehemiah got a burden. There was one person who was sensitive, who was listening. God wanted to rebuild that thing. God wanted to do something there. But nobody was doing anything until one, one man learned to listen. Here's Jerusalem. It's a mess. It's a reproach. And most people are, are calloused and they're used to it. And it's easy for us to get that way, isn't it? Have you ever had a doorknob on the door knock a hole in the wall? And uh, it, it's been like that for years. And you get to where you don't even notice it anymore. Or there's cracks in the wall or there's stuff wrong in the house. And if you live in the middle of it, pretty soon you just walk by it. Pretty soon you, you just ignore it. You get callous to it. That's, that's how we get. And it's so important that we don't get desensitized. And, and if we're listening to God spiritually, when the, when the light comes on, we go, Oh, I see it now. Now I see what you're trying to do. I, I think it was that way when... Uh, Peter finally took the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Uh, it was kind of duh on his part, but, but the Lord was trying to tell him everybody's supposed to get the gospel. And finally, he gets before this group of Gentiles. He begins to witness to them. They get saved, and he says, Wow, now I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He listened to God. God was trying to show him something. Finally, the light came on, and he goes, I get it. I get it. That's learning to listen. And if we're going to learn to listen, we can't be uh, already closed-minded. We can't be brash. As we face every decision in life, there's really two options. There's, There's the option of doing it our way. There's the option of doing it God's way. It's really one or the other. It boils down to that. And And the bottom line is, whose compass are we going to sail by? 
Back when ocean vessels were, were changing from wood over to iron, they were having all kinds of problems with the compasses, and you can about imagine why. Uh, the person who was steering the boat had always just had a compass in front of him, but all of a sudden he's got this iron around him, and so his compass isn't quite on. And if you're only a degree off out in the ocean, you're going to end up someplace out in the boonies. And so they put a compass up on the mast. As they were figuring stuff out, you'd often see a sailor climb the mast and you'd say, what, what's he going up there for? What he's, what's he going up that pole for? He's checking the compass, the higher compass, because the higher compass is always accurate. Let's never forget that. Sometimes we have our compass and it may be on, it may be a little off. And when it is, we better check with the higher compass. And be sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. First of all, we find here a saintly observation. And the Bible says that as for God, His way is perfect, so all we want is what God wants. Secondly, we see a sovereign determination. After the saintly observation, I notice here a sovereign determination, a a verdict from God, a a judgment, a, a, a purpose God has, what we call God's will. Here it is. As we read on, we pick it up in verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. What's he saying here? There has been a sovereign determination. God in his sovereignty has already determined the future for the house of Eli. He says no sacrifices, no offerings are going to erase it. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to wipe out my determination for the house of Eli. I have made a sovereign determination. You know, as I look at this building being built, and I've never had a building project so much right outside my my window. In fact, from my desk, I can look out and and tell if somebody's leaning on a shovel out there. So guys, you better just be warned. I'm I'm watching you all the time. But but I was looking out here this last week, and I was thinking about that that what was once a vacant lot over on that east side of, of the parking lot. And how when we finished the facilities here, it was, it was really in, in 02 and the, the parking lot was poured and the grass was down and, and so a year, a two, three, four, five, six, it went by and during that time there was question, well, when are we going to build something on that land? What are we going to build on that land over there? And at that time we were just holding off. I was willing to, to do whatever but just didn't have any direction from the Lord. I was, I was, I was listening but I have learned over the years not to run ahead of God. You can bankrupt a church if you do. And it can become a pride thing. Well, you know, they're building, so I'm going to build. That's not the reason we do what we do. And especially when we're dealing with with millions of dollars. It's not thousands anymore. It's millions of dollars now. So you want to have the mind of the Lord. And finally, a a time came when when God began to stir me. And and I noticed God began to stir the, the people of the church. And we had a men's meeting and we took a vote. And we all voted to build the uh, first building over there. And I'll never forget driving home that night afterwards going, Oh, no, here we go again. I've had these famous rides home over the years when you continually are are building. And the first one, or not the first one, but the last one I remember was in 99 when we decided to build this place. My wife was was expecting, I think, Gracie at the time and, and, and thinking, Here we go again. 
But actually, I've learned way back in, in 89, 90, how God stirs at times like that. Uh, how he kind of laid it on our heart to sell that building, that first building we were in, and build the one that we went into after that. The bottom line is God has a plan. He has a, a sovereign determination. There's no question about that. He uh, has a plan, and when he is ready, he will move. It is a sovereign determination. And learn this about God. He will not be deterred. When he is ready and, and he has made up his mind, this is what he is going to do. I was reading in the Old Testament about King Josiah, which is it's a sad, sweet story. Josiah was a boy king, and, and he was the one who, who took the throne over after a rotten king. In fact, the story goes back to Hezekiah. Good king. Hezekiah had a son, Manasseh. Horrible king. One of the worst in Judah's history. I'm sacrificing his children, shedding blood in, in Jerusalem, doing all kinds of awful stuff. He's the one that got carried away to Babylon and, and put in captivity and in fetters. He was suffering and he repented. I, I, I kind of think he got saved. So unusual, nothing ever else like this is recorded in the Bible. He gets out of there, goes back to Jerusalem, ends up as king again. He's learned his lesson. He's a good king, but he's done so much damage at that point. God says, I've already made a determination. So he has a son by the name of Ammon. Pits, just the pits. Dies after, I think, a, a couple of years. And, and, and leaves this young son behind by the name of Josiah. Tender-hearted. They find a copy of the Bible. Uh, Josiah sends to the prophet and says, what's this mean? And the prophet says, it's bad news. God hasn't forgotten what Manasseh did way back yonder. And, and you're going to go to your grave in peace. Don't worry about it. But Jerusalem has to go forward with the judgment that I pronounced upon him. It's a weird deal. The king of Egypt goes up against some other country. Josiah kind of goes out there, sticks his nose in somebody else's business and gets killed in the process, which is such a shame. He was such a good king. I think 38 years of age at the time. They carry him back. They bury him. And it's kind of like, wait a minute. He could have done so much good. But God had already made a determination. We find that God makes a sovereign determination. And his determination is always going to trump ours. We need to learn to listen to him. And when we do, it's a win-win. When we resolve to do it God's way, number one, He's going to provide what we need. You know that verse in Philippians, my God shall provide all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And we've seen that here. As we've listened to the Lord, as we've done what he's wanted us to do, he's provided our needs. As we build buildings, the finances are there. In fact, <laughs> I was talking to the church treasurer, and I forget where he's sitting, uh, just a week or two ago, and we were talking about the offerings, and it's been exciting, and, and uh, the, the church loan fund, and, and uh, how much money has come in, and how much we're spending on the building. And, and he, he didn't tell me this earlier. He said, but pastor, at the time when we voted to build this present building, he goes, I really had my doubts. I really was wondering, what are we doing here? But, you know, it's unthinkable for God not to provide for something that he requires, right? It is unthinkable for God not to provide for something he requires. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. That's a promise from a God who cannot lie. Faithful is he that, that calleth you to do something, who will also do it for us, plain and simple. And he doesn't need a whole lot. I mean, all David needed was a, a, a smooth stone out of the brook Elah. And, and all Samson needed was a jawbone. And all Elijah needed was a handful of grain. 
And, and all uh, Jesus needed was, was just some, some loaves and fish. God doesn't need a whole lot. He will always provide, and you and I need to resolve that when we do it God's way, He will provide what we need. Back on June 25th in 1865, Hudson Taylor was uh, pacing the, the beach of Brighton on the southern tip of England in, in, a, in a crisis of faith. He was going back and forth and wrestling with God and, and, and wondering about something that God wanted him to do. And when like a, a flash of light, it finally hit him, if I'll just obey God, the, the responsibility is with him to provide what I need to obey him. And he said it was like the sun came out and the birds were singing again and he went forward and he went to Asia and he did great things for God. So when we resolve to do it God's way, he provides what we need. Secondly, he gives us enough light, just enough sometimes, I'll be honest with you, to know what the next step is. Kind of like the little glow worm. It can go across an open field, a a plowed field at night and pitch black and have just enough light for the next quarter inch as it makes its way across that field. And I'm telling you, folks, there's sometimes I feel like that. We take a step and we have just enough light for the next step and just enough light for the next step, but somehow we find ourselves always in the light, like the glow worm. So we don't have to fear. In fact, there are, I I think I count, 7,564 promises in the Word of God. And not like I counted them this last week, but there's over 7,500 promises in the Bible. And we can believe them all. We have a God who does not lie. You need not turn there. I'll just quote it to you. In Isaiah 41 and in verse number 10, it says, Fear thou not, God's talking, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's a promise from a God who cannot lie. Now thirdly, when we, we learn to listen God gives us specific instruction. And that's what God was going to give to uh, Samuel here, to give to Eli. This is what's going to happen. God will give us specific instruction. We've been asked before, where did you get the idea for all this? That's a good question. God gives us specific instruction, even for facilities like this, for the ministries we have, for whatever it might be. He will guide us. He will tell us where. He'll tell us when. He will tell us how. And not just in generalities. God can be very specific. And the Bible does say he will guide us with his eye. Fourthly, when we learn to listen, we realize that God uses weakness and God uses frailty. He was using a little boy, wasn't he? Samuel. That's about as fragile as you can get. God can use anybody to do anything. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army, and a lot of people don't realize that he was a very frail individual. He wanted to be a pastor. His doctor said, you will never be able to handle the rigors of the ministry. You need to do something else. So he went to uh, tending to the poor of London (laughs) and probably outworked any preacher for decades and decades and decades. Because the bottom line is, we realize God can use weakness and and frailty when we learn to listen. And fifthly, let me just say, when we learn to listen, we find out that doing it God's way goes faster, it's more effective, it's more efficient. You know, old Moses, he was going to uh, try and set the uh, children of Israel free, killing one Egyptian at a time. That's a pretty slow method, isn't it? It wouldn't have worked. God got them all in the Red Sea all at one time. When, when it was done God's way. And when Moses learned to listen. 
Which brings me to a sixth thought. When we learn to listen, God gets all the glory. We don't get the glory. We don't deserve the glory. But it's a win-win thing. The, uh, the goal's accomplished, and God gets the glory for doing it. So we see the saintly observation. We see the sovereign determination. Finally, let's talk about a sensitive resignation. Us being sensitive and resigning to whatever God wants. You know, I mentioned about a moment ago, back in the 90s, it made me think about it. Uh, somebody gave me a, a, a motorcycle. And I'd had a motorcycle before I got saved. Always had a motorcycle growing up as a kid and wanted a motorcycle and got one as a gift. And, and um, anyway, I, I, I uh, gave it back. And a little time went by and somebody gave me another motorcycle. And I rode it for a while and I was thinking, Lord, this one, this one you want me to keep, right? And uh, at the same time, the Lord was going, you know what? You got five kids to raise. Um, you got a church to oversee. You got all this stuff going on. I don't think so. And I'm going, wait a minute, there's static in the line, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and I called my insurance agent and I said, I'd like to insure this motorcycle. And he said, oh, Pastor Skiving, let me talk you out of riding a motorcycle. I'm going, my insurance agent? You're, you're, you're to make money on this deal. And, and everywhere I was turning, he was, and he even said, man, I'm seeing people get killed on them, da, 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 da. And, and so anyway, one night I ran out of gas on it and I said, okay, Lord. <laughs> I was out in the country on a road and, and I gave it back to the person who gave it to me. I am not sure why God didn't want me to have one. And I'm not saying it's not okay for other people to have them. I mean, I know a lot of Christian guys, and they ride them around. And, and, uh, but for years, I kind of like the boat. Okay, it's just something, maybe someday, you know. But, but for whatever reason, not now. The point is this. I'm fine with whatever. We ought to have a resignation, a, a sensitive resignation. I, I like what Eli said here as... As he was given the bad news, and it, it was really bad news. Well, as uh, morning rolls around, we pick it up in verse 15 of our, our text. It says, And Samuel lay until the morning, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he, Eli, said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. It's an amazing resignation, isn't it? And, you know, with all his faults, I still love this about Eli. He, he, he just said it in a few words. We're talking the Lord here. It is the Lord. He knew enough at his age, and he was up there, that you can't fight God. God is sovereign. We find this resignation, as horrible as the news is, he says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth fit to him. What an example that had to be to a young Samuel. You ever thought about that? Here's a little seven-year-old boy, whatever he is. And he sees the surrender, the resignation of this old priest to this horrible news involving his family. And that had to do something to Samuel that, that he never forgot. What a, what a modeling and a mentoring that was for this, this old priest to do that. You know, what an impact it had on that little guy. The world needs to see Christian people resigning, having a sensitive resignation. When they see us uh, go kicking and, and screaming or, or even sulking, that's a contradiction against our faith. Think about it. 
Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say, not the things you want to do, but the things I say. You know, we find this expression over and over again in the New Testament by Christ. You find it in Matthew eleven fifteen. You find it in Matthew thirteen nine, and in thirteen twenty three or forty three, and several other places. But Jesus says something, and then he'll say this: He that hath ears to hear, what's the rest of it? Let him hear. God gave you ears. Let him hear. We need to hear it. We need to heed it. And best of all, we need to yield to it. We need to defer our will. We need to resign. We need to to say uncle if we have to and relinquish our will and concede and and basically let go. Just let go. About a year ago, my wife and I were traveling. I think we were with the kids. I don't remember where we were. But we got back to the motel and uh, turned on the TV, doing a little channel surfing after a long day. And and this old Indiana Jones um, film comes on. And if you catch the plot, it's something about him looking for the chalice that Jesus drank out of at the Last Supper. So my interest perked up. And uh, so he's looking for it, and he's going through all these traps to get to it. And, and uh, anyway, it's, his dad is, is somehow in the, the movie, and he gets the cup. I forget the whole thing. But he brings it back, and an earthquake takes place. And then the cup rolls out of his hand, and it's down in this little gorge, and he's trying to reach it with his dad hanging on to him, and he's like inches away, and the place is about to just crumble. And his dad looks at him, and he says, Indy, let it go. I thought of, you know, the, the wisdom of somebody older <laughs> speaking up. Folks, if we've been saved any length of time, and, and we're seeing what God is wanting, we ought to get to the place to where we say, all right, let it go. Let it go. If that's what God wants, I'm okay with that. I, I, I think if there's something I've learned in over 30 years of being saved, it's there's nothing worth being out of God's will. Nothing. As much as we want it, we need to say, let it go. If it's going to take us out of God's will, let it go. And the longer we're saved, we ought to recognize when God is saying, let it go. I don't know about you, I call it a yucky feeling. You ever get that yucky feeling you're not in God's will? That yucky feeling that something is not right. I've learned to make corrections when I'm doing something wrong. I'm not talking about something sinful, but buying something I shouldn't buy or or uh, selling something I shouldn't sell, or whatever it might be. Happiness is being in the center of God's will. Never forget that. Happiness is being smack dab in the center of God's will. Unhappiness is somehow getting off of God's course. And God is speaking to us, and we're not listening. So what we need is a total surrender. Total surrender. Are we totally surrendered to whatever God wanted us to do? Are we willing to give God a a blank sheet of paper with our name signed at the bottom and say, you fill it in? And honestly, if God called me to Africa next week, would I be okay with that? Well, it is the Lord. Let Him do what He seemeth good. Bottom line. You say, well, pastor, your, your, your beautiful farm. Yeah, but God's will trumps that. But all the hard work you've done on it. God's will trumps that. But all the years of labor here. God's will trumps that. But you've got a nice office. I know. But God's will trumps that. But there's security. So what? God's will trumps that. See what I'm saying? Are we willing to say, I don't care what it is, there's nothing I wouldn't give up for God. You know, God knows what's best. Never never forget that. If we learn to listen to Him, we will settle for nothing but 
his best. It's, it's all about obedience. That's the happy way. The happy way. So learning to listen is, is seeing God bless us in a way we've never been blessed before. Learning to listen is when we begin to figure out how God thinks and, and how God operates and how God leads. Learning to listen is, is learning to trust God. It's really a question of trust. Are we willing to trust Him? And let me just say this, you know, it doesn't always pan out or go our way. In 32 years plus of salvation, there have been disappointments after disappointments after disappointments. It, it doesn't always fall in place. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we need to uh, take it in stride and say, I'm good, that's, that's fine, whatever God, I'm, uh, whatever you want. Because God does love us. And God only desires what's best for us. And His way is not always the cushiest way. It's not always the simplest way. It's not always the fastest way. I would always take the shortest way. I really would. But that's not God's way. But I will say, it is always the best way. And so, by God's grace, may we have this this sensitive resignation to where we surrender and we submit and we only do what He wants us to do And in the process, we're doing His will as we're learning to listen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.